Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. God, we thank you for the rich diversity in the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that every nation and tribe and nationality, Lord, every country in the world, Lord, has got some aspect of your presence to attach to it. We thank you, Lord, that on a Sunday, Lord, all around the world, there are millions and millions of believers gathering to worship you and pray. Lord, to see your kingdom extend and your your kingdom to advance. And, and Lord, we are part of that. We are a small part, but Lord, we want to be a big part. And Father, we just pray for this preach this morning, that God as a church, as we enter this new series, that we will, Lord, be deeply inspired by your spirit, Lord, to stretch ourselves beyond what we'd ever imagined. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Well, this is a real, I'm really excited about this new series, uh, Strength and Courage. Uh, it's going to run over the next few weeks, and the whole team will be involved in communicating on this topic and we'll be looking at multiple aspects of areas of our lives where great courage and strength is required. Uh, it'll be very topically, uh, topically based, obviously biblically grounded, uh, but it'll be topically based um, so that we'll be challenging some of the things that we find the most difficult to talk about. Uh, if we don't, then we're kidding ourselves, we're just playing at doing church, but we need to talk about things that, we, that make us uncomfortable. If we're not challenged and stimulated in those areas uh, that sometimes get under our skin, then, um, then we'll never move forward. And, uh, and our, our goal is that together we'll move forward and together this church will become very, very strong, that we'll be able to, to reach many people in this country and abroad. That is our dream and that is our belief. Um, it was, Gary Rucci was great last week, wasn't he? Did you hear his message? Um, it was one of the best messages I've heard Gary preach for years. Not that he doesn't preach great messages, but for me, uh, sorry Gary if you're listening, um, on podcast. <laughs> But, uh, but he was so on the, on, the, on the button last week. In my mind, I'm just feeling that the Holy Spirit was speaking so prophetically through Gary. And if you weren't here last week, um, there are many here in the church. Uh, we'd encourage you just to get a copy of that podcast and listen to it. You can, if you haven't got your BCC app yet, you can play it through your phone, your Android or your iPhone. Uh, so do that. And it really motivated me. I had a look online and I found out about a four-year-old's perspective on creation. And this four-year-old, which is remarkably articulate for a four-year-old, uh, said, in the beginning, which was close to the start, uh, there wasn't anything except God, darkness and some gas. Uh, the Bible says, the Lord your God is one, but I think he has to be much older than that. <laughs> uh, anyway, God made the world and then he said, give me some light. <laughs> and somebody gave it to him. <laughs> he split an atom and made Eve. Adam and Eve didn't wear any clothes, but they weren't embarrassed because God hadn't invented mirrors yet. <laughs> Adam and Eve sinned by eating one bad apple, and they were driven out of the Garden of Eden. I'm not sure what God drove them in because he hadn't invented cars then. Adam and Eve's son, Cain, hated his brother as long as he was able. <laughs> after, after a while, all the first people died except Methuselah, who lived to be about a million years old. <laughs> it was interesting. And the, of course, Gary talked about perspective and changing perspective. And he said, um, 
God, uh, God will always challenge our perspective. His thoughts are always greater, wider, deeper and bigger than ourselves. They're always greater, wider, deeper and bigger than ourselves. He did an absolutely fantastic job of, of drawing out the importance of changing perspective. Uh, it was such a good kicker to this series. Um, it forces us to think, hang on, do I stay as I am or am I willing to be changed? Ask ourselves the question, am I totally satisfied with who I am and what I'm doing and, and where I am right now or am I willing to be changed? If your answer is no, you probably ought to get up and walk out. If your answer is yes, then you need to make yourself vulnerable. And our job is to be vulnerable, who to? To God and to one another. Vulnerability before God and vulnerability between each other. And uh, we're going to explore this this series. Um, Strength and courage. You know, this week, you may have seen on the news, they've been talking about the 100 years of the, the battle of Gallipoli or the campaign. And um, you may not have even noticed it, but it was 100 years ago, uh, this, this last week, on the 25th of April, that whole campaign started. It was a major conflict between the Allied forces, France, um, the Anzac troops of Australia and New Zealand, um, and the British troops, uh, and a few others from some of the Commonwealth, as it was then, um, fighting against the Ottoman Empire to, uh, to really protect against the Russians who might come down from the North and the Black Sea. But that invasion, which was, by the way... Um, if you like, triggered or, or kicked off by Churchill, of all people, and was a terrible disaster for the Allies. And you may have seen that, that thousands and thousands and thousands of people were killed, meaninglessly killed. It achieved absolutely nothing, this campaign. It lasted eight months, and uh, the Allies lost a huge number of people. Over 50,000 troops died. Um, amazing enough, 34,000 British troops died. Just meaningless, and, and they achieved nothing. It achieved nothing. Amazing strength, amazing courage, but achieved nothing. And uh, what's even sadder, or as sad, is that the Ottoman forces lost exactly the same number. So they achieved nothing, and it was effectively a stalemate, and and didn't produce anything. And you could spend your whole life getting into conflict, being really strong, really courageous, in your own ideas of what the right thing to do is, and actually achieve nothing. And all you do is pay a huge price. And those around you pay a huge price. Now, conflict and war is a tragic thing. Uh, It's inevitable in life. Uh, And I'm not speaking into those incredibly brave people on both sides who fought for their countries and for their armies. But in human strength, we we can take on fights that are completely a waste of time. You could spend your whole life fighting a battle that you conceived in your head when you were a child. You could be playing, fighting your whole life against a husband or a wife or a partner who left you. Or you could be fighting your whole life against a a misunderstanding. You might be fighting your whole life about something theological. What a waste of your life. You could be so hung up over one theological thought that actually you argue with every other Christian around you. You forget the fact that we're called to serve. We're called to be humble. We're called to, to get the message out. We're not called to be opinionated. It says in the Bible that knowledge puffs up. You know, and the trouble is in our heads... We have so much stuff in there that puffs us up, we don't even realise we're puffed up half the time. But you know, God will pop that bubble. If you want to change, if you want strength and courage in your life, he's going to have to start by popping a few bubbles in our thinking. And we're going to explore some of that this morning. You know, I love the New Testament. I love the Old Testament. Many people, and myself included, find it difficult at times to look at some of the the carnage of the Old Testament. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 11. So let me have that next slide. Um, 
So in, this is the New Living Translation. This is about Paul and Barnabas, or Paul in particular, who risked their lives for the sake of the gospel. And I really wanted to draw our attention to this subject with this, these few verses. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, next slide, yes, it, good. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Wow, that's an encouraging, motivating piece of scripture to start this series on. But it is encouraging and it is motivating. Um, so I'm going to ask the question, what produces godly strength and courage? What produces godly strength and courage. I'm just going to look at some aspects of what produces godly strength and courage and open up some thinking as we start this series. So next slide. Um, The first thing is that we need to have hearts that are after God. Godly strength and courage starts with hearts that are after God. If you notice in that verse 7, it says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So let's keep that slide where it is. What is this great treasure? The great treasure is the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's the understanding, the genuine understanding, the experienced understanding of who God is. It's a great treasure. In fact, that that word treasure implies almost a treasure chest. So it's almost like the treasure chest is inside fragile clay jars. That's a New Testament illustration for people. People are very fragile. And what do fragile people do? They try and protect themselves from breaking. And people are wired to protect themselves. People are wired to protect that fragile clay shell of who they are. They're they're wired to protect it. And so they may have the truth in them, but they're wired to protect themselves. But why has God chosen us then? Because His power only becomes visible when our weaknesses are visible. Because what God doesn't want is your strength always controlling His direction. He doesn't want you in your strength to do what He needs to do in His strength. This is really important this morning. We think God can't use us because we're fragile. You think God can't use you because of who you are. You think God can't use you because of your your situation in your relationships with people. You think God can't use you because you've made a lot of mistakes. You think God can't use you because you're not with your husband or your wife. You think God can't use you because you've got a real problem with your family. You think God can't use you because you failed your A-levels and you ended up dropping out of school and you've been running a life hiding and keeping things alive. You think God can't use you because you had an affair. You think God can't use you because you, you committed some sins in your past that are haunting you today. You think God can't use you because you've touched things you should never have touched. It's not true. It's not true. That's exactly why God wants to use you. Everybody in this room is qualified. Everybody. Why? Because you're all fragile and you've all done the wrong things. That means you're in the best possible place for God to use you. God doesn't want to use people that are so strong that they are indestructible. 
He doesn't want to work through indestructible people. He doesn't want to work through perfect people. He doesn't want to work through people who have who've been straight A-graders their entire life and are so full of themselves that actually they haven't got time to really understand how the Holy Spirit's moving. He's, God's not interested in working with people who are so arrogant that actually they think they are the reason God's going to do anything. It's not true. I'm looking at a room filled with people who are broken and flawed and very fragile. And why are you here? Because God wants to work through you. Why are you here? Because God wants to put his power in you. And why can he put his power in you? Exactly why is because of your flaws. It's actually because of your fragility. It's because of the journey you've been on. That's why you're here. That's why God is going to work through you. You are the reason God's power is going to be demonstrated because he wants to do it and he's chosen you to do it. Don't ever say no because of who you are. Say yes because of who Jesus is. Never say no because of who you are. Say yes because of Jesus. He has chosen us because we are vulnerable. He's chosen to put his power in us because we can't do it in our own strength. But the devil will come along and say, no, look at these flaws, look at these weaknesses, protect yourself. Pull up those barriers, pull up those walls, put yourself in a nice glass case. You are no good. You can't. You're there just to hang in and hope that someday Jesus will return. It's not true. God has positioned you to put his power in you to make a huge difference to everything and everybody around you. Next slide. It says in 1 Chronicles 16:11 in the ESV. I'll be using the ESV a few times this morning. It says seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. It says seek twice in there. Seek the Lord and his strength. So as believers, when we trust God, we still have to seek his strength. Knowing about God isn't enough. Seeking his strength is important. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And how do you seek it? You ask. We ask. But you know those words seek are two different words in Hebrew, which you may never have noticed. The first word is seek, which means to follow to lead or frequent, to ask for, to worship. Seek the Lord and his strength. To follow. Follow God. Where is he demonstrating his strength? Seek the Lord and his strength. Look for where his power is. Where is God doing something? What is he doing? Understand that God is doing something or wants to do something in your world. Where is he doing something? Seek the Lord and his strength. Ask him. God, show me where you are doing something. Where is your power? Because, you know, God's power is, well, God is everywhere. God's omnipotent. But he brings his power to bear at certain points. Peter and John, the lame man. God brings his power in the power of the Holy Spirit to places and situations specifically. He does it so that his power will be demonstrated. So it says, seek the Lord and his strength. Know where God's power is working. Now, in our church life, God's power is operating in different places, in different ways, in different circumstances. Seek the Lord, follow him, follow what he's doing. Ask him, Lord, where are you about to do something? Where are you about to demonstrate your power in my life? Get yourself into that mindset, get yourself into that place. The second seek is to search out. Search out his presence through any method available. Seek his presence continually. Search out any method. It's to discover. It's to discover. It's a different word intentionally. It is about worship. It's about, um, it's a different perspective. It's in prayer. It even says strive for. The implication there in, in the Hebrew is to strive for it. We're actually, in the Bible, we know it says don't strive, but actually there is a place where you do strive for God's presence. Seek his presence. In other words, we're saying relationally, God, be 
we know God is in us, but help me to be aware that you're in me. So we've got to seek his, we got to seek him from a perspective of knowing what he is doing in us. And it even implies going as far as to even buy. Now, we don't like the idea that you can buy things from God, but actually the New Testament talks about buying a field, the pearl of great price. The Bible talks about getting to a place where there's a cost. There's a cost. So when we seek him, so we're seeking the Lord and his strength, we're looking for where he is operating, where he's working, but we're also seeking him and his presence where there's a cost. There's a cost element to us. If there is no cost in your worship, if it's just turn up and sing a song, and didn't Tom do brilliantly this morning? Great job this morning. Great honour to have these guys from IBTI with us today. But um, there's a cost. If your worship is not costly, are you really seeking God's presence continually? Is, if, is there a cost to it? Is there a, are you creating that space? But God says, I want you to seek me and find me. So what is strength? Next slide. Strength is endurance. The ability to carry weight or pressure. It's endurance. Now, there are other definitions, but I love this, this thing, this, this comment, this phrase. Strength doesn't come from the things you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you thought you couldn't do. Isn't it interesting? Strength doesn't come from the things you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you thought you couldn't do. What do you think you can't do? Well, that's where your strength opportunity is. That's where God's probably going to deposit his strength in your life. What are the impossibilities in your life right now? What are they? You should write them down. You talk about it in your life groups. What are the impossibilities that you really want God to be moving into? Well, actually, that's where he probably wants to put his power. But you've got to see where God is working. What is he doing? What is he doing? Strength doesn't come from the things you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you thought you couldn't. And that's where God wants to operate. It's in that risky space. What's courage? Next slide. Courage? Well, interesting. Interesting. Strength is the ability to persist. Courage is the ability to start again. I like that. That's something, whether you like it or not, I was thinking this week, what is the difference between strength and courage? And I felt that would be my articulation of it. Strength is the ability to persist, to carry, to run, to, to build, your, build the power in your life. It's the ability to keep going. But courage is the ability to have to start again. Because when you get so far, you find you run out. And you've got to pick yourself up, just like Paul said, dust yourself off and start again. You've got to pick yourself up and start again. And you may have been through massive crisis. You may have lost your family, your home, your business. You may have lost relationship. You may have lost something of value in your life. That's where God wants to rebuild. He wants to give you courage. And where does the word courage come from? It comes from heart. Middle English, the Latin, and also the French. Courage comes from heart, strengthening your heart. So when we have courage, it's when our heart is strengthened. And you know, you could have a broken heart right now. You may be in a place where your heart has been so broken by circumstances. God wants to say to you today, pick yourself up, start over again, because now I can start to work through you. I can start to rebuild through you. I can start to build your life up. But it doesn't stop at your life. It's way beyond your life. My kingdom is going to work through everything that you've been through. My kingdom is going to work through that. My kingdom is going to be powerful through you. My kingdom is going to take advantage of every weakness you've experienced. Every weakness. 
every sense of failing, everything you've been through that's damaged you, God will turn into a situation to honour him because you have submitted yourself as a fragile clay vessel in which he is pouring his treasure and now wants to release his power. You are in the best place possible if you've been through a damaged life. You are in the best place possible because you're humble. Because you're seeking after, isn't it always true when you have the most damage in your life, you get on your knees? You get on your knees and you start reading the word and saying, God, I really need to know what you're saying to me. I really need, that's where God does the most amazing turnarounds in life. That's what he does. The danger is when sometimes, you know, we're strong in ourselves naturally and we say, well, you know what, I can do this, I can do that. And actually you don't really need God. And so where does his power go? Well, it's waiting for you to find it. He's waiting for you to come to him and ask for it. So what produces godly strength and character? First, hearts that are after God. Secondly, next slide, minds filled with faith. Minds filled with faith. We have to... Now, faith is not something that's just out there. Yeah, faith is the substance of things hoped for, but hope happens in your head. Hope is a mind thing. Hope has to operate in your mind. It's a decision-making place. It means that you are overruling all those other thoughts. You have to overrule those other thoughts. Be watchful, it says in 1 Corinthians 16. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men and be strong. This is a New Testament principle of having your minds filled with faith. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Now, that, I'm going to just open these expressions up just for a moment. The faith, it's, it's, an art, it's a definite article. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. The faith. The faith. It's not saying it's all about your faith. It's in the faith. It's the faith that God has presented in his scriptures. It's the, it's the faith that God has used to create the heavens and the earth. It's the faith that God has done uh, in terms of releasing his spirit on this earth. It's what he does. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Right? Then your faith will grow strong. That's what you do. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. So the faith is a definite article. It's about God in Scripture. Where are your convictions? You may not be really strong in faith right now. You may be feeling really, you might be so fragile, you're thinking, well, my faith is pretty useless. You know, I don't get answers to prayer. I haven't, you know, I've been asking God for this and that and it didn't come through. You know, others in the, in the prayer and fasting week were rejoicing. They had amazing breakthroughs, but it didn't happen for me. Maybe God doesn't love me. Woe is me. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe it's the sins of my past catching up with me. Maybe, you know what, it doesn't say that. It says, be strong in the faith. In other words, you're looking at God in Scripture. It's where are your convictions. You are convicted and you know that it's not about you. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about what he's doing. And he will put that faith in you. That is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Act like men. That's a strange expression. In the New King James, it says, be brave, be brave, act like men. Actually, what it means behind that in the Greek is conduct yourself in a courageous way. Be courageous. That's just the, the way they described it in the New Testament. Act like men means be courageous. In the New Testament, it's saying be courageous and strong, be strong and courageous. Courage and strength are a choice. They're a choice. They're a choice that you'll have to make. In Psalms, it talks about being strong and courageous. It says, Psalm 27, 14, let your heart be strong and take courage. So next slide. How else can we build lives of faith? Um, by recognising that we build ourselves into what God is doing around us. But secondly, we're encouraged by what God does and we encourage others. We choose to 
recognised the importance of encouragement. Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. At key times in the New Testament, God used Barnabas to encourage Paul and the other apostles. Encouragement is really important. As we start this series, Strength and Courage, encouraging those around you is of immense value. Encouragement. It's all about building courage. Encouragement builds courage. Encouragement builds courage. It builds people's hearts. If you have a word of encouragement for yourself or for somebody else, then you are building them up. And it's all too easy not to. In this season, as we go through this process of looking at strength and courage, God is going to move this church forward. Do you believe it? Do you realise God's called you here for purpose? Do you realise God's going to build something very, very strong through your life? He needs you to be encouraging one another. He needs you to encourage yourself. He needs you to start by saying, who am I? What am I? Recognise that God's positioned you with all your flaws so he can put his power into you, that his power will work mightily through you. His power will work through you. That's his plan, to bring encouragement to you. Um, it says in Acts 15 that Judas and Silas were themselves prophets and they encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. They had to do it. it you know, it's, a, it's a choice we make to encourage one another. Now, we do that anyway. I know there's a lot of encouragement going on in this church. I hear it all the time. People are, are you encouraged by what's going on in the church right now? Are you encouraged by seeing the youth? Are you encouraged by seeing the way the church is growing? Are you encouraged by seeing over 100 responses to the gospel last year? Are you encouraged by seeing answers to prayer? Are you encouraged by, by realising that when we went to two services, we've steadily started to build and build? You know, are you encouraged by the fact that some weekends, lots of overlap, we have up to 600 people on site? Are you encouraged that God is going to do something strong through you and this church? I think it's exciting. It's exciting times. It's exciting times. But the words will build up or break down. Words can build up or break down. Biblical encouragement is about strengthening one another's hearts. And there are times when we've got to do it. And we've got to be careful with our words. Sometimes our words bring down. And sometimes the demonic gets into our words. You know, you say a, a loose or casual word, sometimes someone can take it, they're in a vulnerable place, and that word starts to work its way like a little seed. It starts to bring doubt. And before long, you find someone who you get on well with is in a really tough spot because, because actually they've been so negative or critical about something that you feel like you're un- incapable of achieving anything. Um, I've been watching Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> I think it's quite good, actually. I look forward. Who else likes Britain's Got Talent? I want to encourage you to watch it. <laughs> um, but I was really inspired, actually. I, I didn't watch it last Saturday because of various reasons. And um, I watched the repeat during the week. And I saw that amazing lady, Becky O'Brien. I'm not, te- I'm not standing here saying I know anything about her life. I'm not saying she's a role model for anything. But it was really touched on that TV program when uh, Simon Cowell and the judges, they, he said, what, you know, what, how old are you? And she said, I'm 34. And... Um, and you know you never know what's going to happen to you. It's either going to be a disaster or it's going to be sensational. Anyway, how old are you? 34. Um, how come it's taken so long to be here? I thought it was a pretty harsh question. You know, you're 34, aren't you past it? <laughs> you know, anyway. <laughs> it's a strange thing to ask. But then she said, well, I've been, I've had five kids. And for the sake of my twins... You know, I just had to give my life to my, effectively to my twins. That's what she was saying. And she said, I've been through a very, very abusive marriage. And uh, you may have realised that, um, that also, you know, her husband, her former husband's now in prison. But, um, you know, in hospital, after she had had one of her babies, um, he came into the hospital and broke her jaw. 
you know, a violent situation. But you know what it took? It took her son, Jack, her oldest son, to encourage her and say, Mum, you could do that. You could do that. And her, her son, Jack, said, you could do that. You could do Britain's Got Talent. So she did it. And she was amazing. And some of the papers were saying she's the best thing so far on, on that particular show. It may not be your choice, but it was interesting, isn't it? The power, the power of encouragement. See, even age might be something. You might be feeling, I'm past it. You might be thinking, you know, I'm over 30 now. <laughs> Therefore, life's gone. It's now pensions, retirement. You know, that's it. I've got to make sure my garden looks nice. I've got to make sure I've planted the tomatoes because I'll be living on those forever. I don't know. You might, you might feel like it's gone now. It's not true. It's not true. You can be 70 and filled with God's power and strength. You can be filled with God's power and strength. In fact, more so, God wants to fill you with his power and strength, no matter how old you are. Some of the most incredible people in this world have done stuff late in life, let me tell you. And also young. They, you know, you might be 18 or you might be 15, you might be 14 and thinking, you know, I'm never going to be a, a speaker. I'm never going to be able to communicate my faith. I'm never going to be able to do anything. I used to think like that, you know. I, used to, I remember that I used to go to a Baptist church when I was a teenager. I used to look at these guys preaching and think, I'm, I'd never do that. I could never do that. I would never want to do that. Maybe you, you, you just thought, well, that's me. I'm always going to do that. But, you know, sometimes God wants to use the people who thinks I could never do that. Yeah. Put his power and courage in them. The biggest problem is the people who think they can do it. The biggest problem is those who, who know they're good. Because you know what? That's where the biggest falls from grace. Well, you can't fall from grace. That's a theological perspective. But um, some of the biggest falls, some of the biggest falls in the Christian world are men and women who think they're really good at what they do. And God just says, okay then, you just hover around in your hot air balloon of yourself and see where you land. God just withdraws graciously and says, look, let you hover around a little bit. We never want to be a church where people are so full of themselves that they put God out of the picture. We've always got to follow Jesus first. What is Jesus saying? We submit ourselves to him and follow him. So, so it's incredible. It's incredible. Encouragement is important and it's important to be honest. Next slide. Um, faith produces greater capacity. This is my, my final key point. Actually, no, it's not my final key point. It's one of my key points. Faith produces greater capacity. God uses people who expect God to use them. <laughs> that, that may surprise you. But if you don't expect God to use you, chances are he won't. Why is that? Because in a sense, you are exercising an element of doubt in your life. When you expect God to use you, it's not pride. When you, think, when you change your mindset, even if you're fragile and feeling broken, if you expect God to use you, he will use you. Because that's what he wants. That's how he starts. He wants you to expect him to use you. He expects you to be used. Faith will build capacity. It's not because of who you are. It's because of who Jesus is. It's not because of you. It's because of Jesus. He wants your capacity to increase. Every time God moves on earth, it's because someone has believed. Now, you may argue with me about that theologically. Don't do that. But when you believe, God moves. Let me tell you, when you believe on something, God moves. Now, it may not be your timing, but God moves. God moves. We may expect our timing, but God moves in his timing. It says that math, uh, in Matthew that God moves according to your faith, it will be done. According to your faith, it will be done. The disciples um, talked about according to your faith, it will be done. According to your faith. Now, it's not just your faith because God's power comes into you. 
But there is an element of which you exercise your choice to put your faith in what God is doing. You put your faith into the fact that you are a, a broken or, or, or a very fragile vessel. And as you do that, God will work through you. And a famous, famous person called William Carey, who many of you have never met, and if you have met, you're more than 300 years old, right? But William Carey from Nottingham, does anything good come from Nottingham? Actually, it's not true. He came from Northampton, so that's better. Um, no, William Carey came from Northampton. But William Carey became a missionary, went to India. And this is a man who believed that God could do something through him. So he went to India. And what did he do? He loved languages. He taught himself Latin when he was a kid, even though he didn't come from a wealthy background. He didn't come from a privileged background. But he taught himself Latin. And he loved languages. So what did God do? Took him to India and he learnt languages. In fact, he learnt six languages, including Arabic. And he saw amazing things happen. He said, he said this one amazing statement, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And he said, I'm not afraid of failure, I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. Get that. I'm not afraid of failure, I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. You, might, you may succeed at things in church that don't matter at all. It's not about that. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. And that's one of our biggest challenges in life. It's being successful in your terms, things that really don't matter in the great kingdom plan. Next slide. Psalm 115 says, May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May, the, may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. May the Lord give you increase. God never intends to bring decrease. He's always looking to bring increase. Now, we may have to have a few things work through in our lives, but he's always looking to bring increase, even when we do the wrong stuff. He's looking to bring increase in the right stuff. And that Greek word increase means to conceive again. To conceive again. To con- in other words, to understand again, to conceive again. And what does conceiving lead to? Giving birth. To conceive again, to give birth again. It, says to comp- it's, it means to be compounded, it means to multiply, to have more and more, to increase is to have more and more. It also means to prolong what is already a blessing. May the Lord give you increase, that is to conceive again, to bring more and more, and to prolong what is already there. Don't think that if God is doing a good thing, it's suddenly going to go. He's looking to increase. It's sustainable increase. God's blessing is about sustainability. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord. His blessing is that sustainable increase in your life. It is. Now, he might take you through a few trials, and we know those trials are real, but he intends to bring increase in your life. That's what his plan is. His plan is never to bring decrease. And what is capacity? The maximum amount that something can contain or the amount that, that's, uh, that something can produce. And as a church, we've got enormous opportunity ahead of us. As individuals, if we can see that God is going to enable us to contain more in ourselves personally and corporately, and he's going to enable us to produce more than we ever were able to do, you may be thinking, how is that possible? I've only got so many hours in a day. But capacity increase is about achieving more with less And God is the worker of miracles in your life. I used to work all around the world. I used to travel 50% of my life at one point. And yet God gave me capacity 
to be involved in leadership in this church. God gave me capacity. He gives you capacity. And you should be asking, God, give me capacity. Not to stay the way you are, but to see what God is going to increase in your life. Because as he gives increase, your capacity needs to increase. And what are those areas that you want to see increase? You want to be better at making good decisions. Your capacity to make better decisions. To grow in your leadership. To see that ministry birth that you know in your heart is there but you need to see it grow. And you're thinking, God, have I got time to invest myself in this ministry development? Ask God to help you have the capacity to grow because he'll provide it. He'll give you that capacity. As a church, we want to see capacity grow. We want to see these seats filled. We want to have more people discipled. We want to show God's love more often in more diverse ways. We want people to see and to see the ministries grow corporately. I want to tell you about something that's inspired me recently. Um, Through indirect relationship with a couple of friends I've got, I've become connected indirectly with a church in the USA called Gateway Church in Texas. I want to talk about these guys for a second. 15 years ago at Easter, on Easter Sunday, 15 years ago, a guy called Robert Morris Um, led by God, trusting him, set up a brand new church. Set up a brand new church in Texas. In 15 years, if you look at their website now, there are over 34,000 people attending this church. But the dynamics of that church, in fact, we sing some of their worship songs. You probably don't even realise it. You think, well, we're not interested in these mega churches in the States. You might be thinking, I'm not interested in that. You've got to be interested in that. Because when God is seeing thousands and thousands of people come to faith, when ministries are being birthed, let me shock you, right? This church in the States, now I'm not holding up the man or the church. I want to give you a perspective. Gary said, get your perspectives changed. I want to tell you about this church just for a second. I'm not saying they're perfect. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. All I can tell you is this, that people I know vouch for them. And when you see growth the way they're seeing growth in a very steady, solid way, it makes you think, could God do something like that in our world? The the answer is yes. It is yes. And why is it yes? Because God's bigger than you and he's bigger than me. He wants to pour his strength and courage into you so that he can build in you and through you. He doesn't want you to think small. He doesn't want you to think like I'm a failure and my brokenness, my fragility is going to leave me incapable of doing anything. That's the devil's trap. God wants you to see a different perspective. And I want to tell you about this. Um, I'm not holding up the man. I will just say, I've looked at a few of his things online. I've listened to some of his preaching. I've seen, because I feel I need to. I feel like God has opened my eyes to seeing something going on there that I need to understand. Why does he need me to understand it? Because like Abraham, God said, look at the stars in the sky. You need to see bigger than you are Not because we're just trying to be big. It's never about that. It's about being healthy. It's about healthiness that grows. And healthy people grow. Healthy environments grow. And when you look at that church, if I tell you their income is over $100 million a year, that might blow your mind. You think, well, that's immoral. How could a church possibly handle that? I'm telling you how a church can handle that amount of finance. It's because God trusts them. Because God trusts people to handle bigger things. Because God's given them the ability to see greater capacity. Ministries, let me tell you, their head of mission is from Romania. How about that? If I tell you that church gives away more to missions internationally than we do, both in numerical value and percentage, 
we want to grow our giving into mission. In fact, next weekend we're going to show a DVD about the Macedonia trip that's coming up. And we'd like to encourage you to give something towards that so that we can take that as an expression of our church and invest in the community again. But let me tell you what these guys do before we, we, we say, hang on, we're not interested in a traditional megachurch. These guys are birthing people. They're seeing millions of people download their information and, and be triggered by, by what they are carrying in them. And it's God. It's the, it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. They give away 15% of their church's income into mission. Well, you've just worked out the numbers. That's $15 million a year. Most of the churches I know in the Balkans and Eastern Europe have no finance. What would, could God do? God might release some finance through a church like that. But you know what? Maybe God wants to release some of that through our church. Maybe God wants to release churches in the UK to release those kind of finances. Let me tell you, I was telling some guys in the week, you know, Compassion, this amazing organisation that we've got a link with, they see um, many, many young people um, sponsored all the way through from infancy all the way up to university education and in between. Let me tell you that in Britain, you know where the lion's share of the support comes from for Compassion out of the UK, and it's a worldwide organisation, into places like Ethiopia, into places in the third world where there's real poverty and struggles, shall I tell you where most of the finance comes from? Hillsong. 80% of their support comes from Hillsong. You know why? Because they're big enough to be able to generate that kind of release in the kingdom. The little churches are not releasing that kind of finance. They're not releasing stuff into the kingdom in any way, shape or size to that magnitude. So when we think about strength and courage, what is God going to put on us? He's going to be challenging us on all sorts of things. If we're serious about knowing his strength and his courage, he will put us into the most difficult, awkward, frustrating situations and stretch all your thinking. Why? Because he wants you to have a different perspective. Am I talking about mega church? No, I'm talking about healthy church. I'm talking about healthy church that doesn't stop because it says, you know, that's enough. I've got to my place of, that's enough. I've done my bit, that's enough. I've prayed enough, that's enough. I've been to one prayer meeting this year, that's enough. You know, I did, I did a half day of prayer and fasting, I gave up cereal one morning, that's enough. You know, I, I ate fruit juice or drank fruit juice for two days, that's enough. I'm telling you, it's not enough. If we're serious about the kingdom of God, if we believe that God is the author and perfecter of everything in us, then we will take ourselves to the place where God can work through us. And we won't say arrogantly, you know what, I'll do it in my strength. Because you'll never do it in your strength. You'll be like Gallipoli. You'll be having your fights. You'll be having your wars. You'll see casualties. and You'll go, what was that all about? What a cost of life. I spent months, if not years, paying a price. I took all that time achieving nothing. When God says, just come to me humbly and I'll do amazing things through you. And you may think, hang on, we don't want to look at the, the US because they're in a different world. It's full of Christians. There's 40% Christians. Let me tell you another church that inspires me. Casa Eldabara Church in Cairo. I turned down the invitation to go to their conference last week because I wanted to make sure I was here at the church. And they have this conference in the desert in secret where their missionaries from every country in the Middle East come. Let me tell you, 80% of their finances goes into mission. They are, they are the most missional church. And where are they based? In Cairo. Cairo is the um, clerical capital of Islamic theology in the world. It's not Saudi Arabia, it's Cairo. And in the centre of Cairo, in Tahrir Square, is a church of 6,000 Presbyterian people, Christians, who are winning the lost, seeing incredible moves of God. And so before we, we switch off the US and say, hang on, that's just America, they're the big guns. I'm telling you, where are we going to put ourselves? Are we going to say, well, the US, are oh, they've got another world. We've got an excuse not to be like them. 
hang on a second, we've got Cairo, where they, where they die if they, they get baptised and they're from an Islamic background. And if the family finds out before they've come to faith, they will die for their faith. Where in that spectrum are you going to put yourself? Where are we going to put our church? Are we going to put our church in that comfortable, no, actually we're not on that line, we're in our own safe comfort zone. Or are we going to trust in God's strength and courage? Are we going to get him to build us up so that we can be influential in our communities and with the people around us? You know, finally, we have to be people who take risk into our lives. Next slide. Living by faith is about risk. We've got three choices. You can read the slide. Caretakers, undertakers, or risk takers. What are we going to be? Do we want to maintain what we've got? Do we want to bury what we've got? Or do we want to grow what we've got? That means taking risk. The size of your God will determine the size of your dream. The size of your God. You need to be asking yourself, what is God saying to me? How far am I going to trust him? How far am I going to take these risks? How far will I go? How far will I go? How far will I go? Um, it's extraordinary. You know, there's nothing worse than failure. Oh, yes, there is. The fear of failure. It's not about failure. It's the fear of failure that is the thing that kills people. It's the thing that stops people. Our job is to put ourselves into places of risk. That reveals God's power. You know, Hudson Taylor, another amazing man of God, spent 51 years. Now, he came from Yorkshire. And you know what the Yorkshiremans are like. They're, they're brave and brash. But he spent 51 years in China. And um, he saw 800 missionaries follow him from the UK because he encouraged them. 800 missionaries. He, he pioneered 125 schools and saw in his lifetime 18,000 direct conversions to Jesus Christ in China. And you know what? I've heard many people talking about the underground church and the organic church and, and they point to China as being the example. They say God's doing an amazing move there. There's 100 million Christians. That has got to be the perfect model of church. You know why? Because that's what God wants to do. He wants to keep it small and he wants to... Well, he does want to do that. But he doesn't want to exclude the other moves of God, where, where, which we've already talked about. But look what it took. When you go back in history, and you see where did that underground church get its embryonic start from. And you look at people like Hudson Taylor and others who were out there, and you realise that his 18,000 conversions might have been the material start of 100 million conversions in China today. It took a man of courage from Yorkshire to say, hang on a second, I can do something about it. That's what it took, strength and courage. And he's remarkably noted as saying, all Christian, in brackets, giants, have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and presence to be with them. I'll say that again. All giants, Christian giants, have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and presence to be with them. And that's what we want to be. Power and courage. Power and courage. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sufficiency means enough. It's ample. It's more than enough. The power is miraculous power. It's not just physical power. It's miraculous power. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And to be made perfect means literally to accomplish. It will be made perfect in your weakness. In fact, 
that Greek, sorry, yeah, the Greek word for made perfect literally means to be consummated. Figuratively, to be consummated. And in marriage, when you have something that's consummated, it means that the intimacy is there. And when the intimacy is there, new birth can happen. So the power of God is made perfect through intimacy with us as we recognize our weakness and we consummate with God and we give birth to the impossible. That's the power of God working in our lives. You are all, we are all, I am in the best possible place we can be when we're vulnerable and we feel weak. So let's finish now.